Pick up the sermon slide. Welcome to a new sermon series. Can I get it like a woo, yeah? Perfect, well done. This is our new sermon series. Do you know what, back in January this year, we, we met together um, and we're just praying. We're like, God, what is your heart for this church? What is your heart for this church as we, we go through this year? What, what are we going to come up against and what are you wanting to equip us in order to deal with it? And we really felt back in January that healing and wholeness was such a clear thing on God's heart. And not, if, you've, if you've been in this church long enough, you'll know that healing is a massive part of our identity as a church. We uh, are so invested and care about God's healing and God's wholeness in our lives. But we just really felt this term specifically, God had a work he wanted to do in us. Are we excited? Good, because I certainly am. You can just be excited with me if you want. It's totally fine. But God uh, is healing. And so I I have a title, Does Healing Happen Today? Um, but I just want to introduce the sermon series first because it is really powerful. But I suppose it's multifaceted in that there's people here today who, who are going to engage with this sermon series on different levels. And I just want to use scripture to kind of describe a few of you today. Does that sound okay? Amazing. So I want you to just listen out and, and just ask the Father as, as, as I'm preaching. As I always want to encourage you as I preach. Talk to God, okay? Let him uh, uh, take these words that I'm saying and, and make them really applicable to you and to what he wants to say to your heart. And so as, we, as I'm sharing, I just want you to say, God, where am I in this picture? Where do I fit in? And God, what are you wanting to do in me over this next series? Okay, does that sound good? <laughs> right, let's get into it. Healing and wholeness, who is this for? Um, so we're going to read from Luke chapter 17. We're going to start at verse 11. If you've got a Bible and you want to follow me, that's great. If not, it will be on the screen. Um, So it's a story, and I'm going to go through it really slowly. So forgive me for that. So Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. I'm going to go back, Alex, sorry. So firstly, this series on healing and wholeness is for disciples of Jesus. Who is a disciple of Jesus here? Let's have some hands that great. That's good. That's, that's perfect. Because this is for you then. People walking with Jesus longing to see his kingdom at work more and more. Because that is his promise to us. I was watching the, uh, there's an Alpha talk on Does God Heal Today? If you haven't been through the Alpha series, it's incredible. And I'd encourage you to. Um, but a man called Nicky Gumble describes uh, God's coming kingdom like early spring. He says we can, you know, um, uh, in spring we can have like this glorious day of sunshine and it feels warm and we're ready to chuck our coats in the attic and, and enjoy uh, the summer. Uh, and then the next day suddenly you feel again the bite of winter and you're like wrapping up with 10 layers. You everyone know what I'm talking about? This is what Nicky Gumbel describes the kingdom like. He's, he's like, you know, God, God's coming kingdom is assured and, it's, and, and we know that he's given it to us, yet... On some days it would seem so evident, on other days we're still reminded of the harsh realities of this world we live in. And it's a really great analogy. And this morning I could give you a ton of verses about how God gives us authority to heal and how his, the signs of his kingdom are promised to follow us. But I actually felt the Father um, wants to give us a simpler promise this morning and this is his promise for all of us as we enter this series. It's a big one, are you ready? Alex, do you want to put up Luke 12 for me? 
Luke chapter 12, the next slide, sorry, mate. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I really felt, last night I sat at my dining table, we've got like this thing on the table which has Bible verses in, and I pulled one out at random and it said, fear not, little flock, for it's the father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And there is faith, and there is intercession, and there is challenge, and there is stepping forth and being bold and courageous, and all these things which, God's, uh, uh, which bring about the kingdom of God in our midst. However, I felt this morning the Father just wanted to say to each and every one of you, fear not, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you his kingdom. So why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, hey, it's God's pleasure to give you the kingdom. If they're asleep, you can give them a little nudge for me. And why don't you take a second, close your eyes as well, because I need you to hear this from the Father, because this is so important. Close your eyes and just hear this. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You don't have to strive for it. You don't have to earn it. God, as we enter into this series, we, we're, not, we're not here to try and stir up something or muster up something, but instead, Lord, we want to come as children ready to receive your kingdom. Lord, we're going to intercede. Lord, we're going to have faith. Lord, we're going to pray, but God, we know that we receive it as children. So right now, we just break down every bit of uh, <laughs> uh, stress or performance or anything like that, Lord, and instead, we welcome the kingdom you so freely give to us because it's your good pleasure. Why don't you just say, Father, I receive your kingdom. Okay, and in every single week following this week, that is your task, to freely receive the kingdom that is his pleasure to give it, give it to you. No striving, my friends. Are we in? Come on. All right. This is a kingdom set up. That's what I believe. For this season, we've just been through a summer where pretty much everything that could go wrong has gone wrong for lots of people in this church. Lots of hard stuff have happened. And it's no coincidence that God has brought us to this point this season. We are believing for, we are reading about and chasing after God's healing wholeness, his miracle signs and wonders among us. What perfect timing, isn't that right? All right. So this is a series for his disciples, which is all of us. We've got that bit. Let's go back to verse 12. Thank you, Alex, for jumping around with me this morning. It's not just for disciples, though. It says in verse 12, As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. And they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And this is a series for those of you who have been crying out, especially over this summer. Those of you who have literally been crying. Those feeling the agony of the kingdom not yet seen in your midst. Those of you who are crying out for justice, crying out for mercy, for, for healing night after night. And, and maybe you feel your prayers have been weak. You know, maybe you, you don't feel like you have any authority and you're just crying out, Lord, have pity on me. This is for you. This series is for you too. I remember about a month ago, I was crying out to God and I was saying, God, I'm really tired of begging for my children's lives. I'm really tired of that, God. I don't have the energy or the strength for that. And God, in his mercy, I was like, God, what would you do in this moment if you were right here in front of me? 
And then I gave myself like a rousing speech in my head of like, Tim, have faith, we can do this. But I actually just saw him come and give me a big hug and wrap his arms around me. And I'm thankful to say that I am no longer in that place. But I'll share more in a couple of weeks when my children are with me. Anyway, this is for these people, his little flock who he has heard. And before you even entered the valley, you may feel you're in at the moment. God had already prepared this season, this series, in order to walk you through it. So this is for you people, okay? This is for me. Let's go to verse 14. So when he saw these lepers, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. You see, going to the priest is something you did after you were healed. You went to the priest and then they said, oh yes, you're cured of leprosy and you can rejoin society. But actually these guys started walking to the priest before they were even healed. They took a step of faith. And this series is also for people wanting to take a step of faith, to move forwards up and out of the pain you may be feeling and trust God's healing to meet you on the way. And I really feel specifically there's some people in this room that actually God's saying, I want to lift you out of your pain in order that you go and receive your healing. And the thing is, as we go and, and do that not only do we meet our friends around us here, but we meet our colleagues, we meet the people in our workplaces, we meet our neighbours and our community. And actually, God is going to bring us in front of people this term in order for us to testify that God heals today. Does that sound exciting? Does that sound a bit daunting for anyone? It could be both at the same time, that's fine. Why don't you turn to your neighbour and say, are you ready to testify? Give them an answer, go on, are you ready? Are you ready to share something a bit outlandish with somebody at work? Okay? But also, and let's take another step forward, God is going to put people in front of you to bring healing to you. There's a whole other step of nervousness, right? God's going to put people in front of you. I really believe this. this guys, this is by no accident that we're doing this series. God is going to put people in front of you at work, uh, your, your neighbour in your community, at school, whatever it is, and say, I want you to pray for them. I want you to heal them. And friends, we are going to see miracles and testimonies of people who do not belong to this church because of the journey God has taken us on. And is that exciting as well? Cool. I'm going to say exciting every other word so you guys can just get on board. <laughs> Verse 15. So these guys have gone, they presented them, 10 of them gone, presented themselves to the, the priests. Um, they were cured, cleansed, cured. Um, and then they all go off. But one of them, one of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice like that. Sorry. Oh, he's all right. Cool. <laughs> Can you guess this one? This is a season of testimonies, a season of praise and of joy and of celebration. We are going to celebrate every single work of God, no matter how big or small it may seem. And we're not just going to celebrate our own victories and testimonies. We're going to celebrate everyone's victories and testimonies and even whilst I'm still in the pain or whilst I'm still in the waiting we're going to celebrate each other because God is doing something amongst us and as we praise him as we come together and give testimony God stirs up something around us he moves around us his testimony is a spirit of prophecy to say hey he did it for me he can do it for you too and so we're going to testify this season and we're going to be loud about it all right, we'll go to verse 16. This one guy, 
he comes along and he throws himself, throws himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asks, were not all ten cleansed? And the word here, cleansed, it means to made clean by curing something, like a doctor would cure something. But he says, where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Now see how those ten were cleansed and they were cured like by a doctor. But this one man was made well, and the word there is sozo. And it means to be made whole, both spiritually and physically. You see, Jesus used a different word about the one man who came back to him than the nine who were just cured. Many people can be cured. And there's a really big building in town called a hospital, and that's their day job, okay? They're good at curing people. But only Jesus can make you whole. There are people here today who who feel well or who feel cured physically, but you don't feel whole spiritually. Does that make sense? This word sozo is complete healing. It's physical, it's spiritual, it's mental. It's every bit of you finding its home in the Father's embrace. And there are people who are here who are healed but not whole, and this series is for you too. And there are other people who, who need to hear that God can make you whole even if he doesn't heal you at this point. God can make you whole even if he doesn't heal you at this point. And we're not going to shy away from some of the harder questions when it comes to healing. Why does this person get healed and why does this person not? We're not going to shy away from that this term. We're going to go at it as a family and have real conversation together. But God can make you whole without necessarily healing you at that point. So this series is for the kingdom-chasing disciples, for the desperate intercessors, for those ready to step forth in faith and those ready to step out in faith, to the praisers, to the dancers, the testifiers, to the well-seeking wholeness and to the whole-seeking healing. And this series is for you and it's the Father's good pleasure to give you his kingdom. My title today, Does Jesus Heal? That was my introduction, by the way. Hope you enjoy it. <laughs> my title today, Does Jesus Heal? The story in Luke is really clear. Jesus did heal. It's undeniable throughout the Gospels. There's so much evidence that Jesus healed people. And he gave us, as his, author- as his disciples, the authority to do the same. Again, it's written throughout Scripture. It's obvious. You just have to look at the New Testament. There's a million stories. The answer is simple. Jesus does heal today. But to be honest, I've yet to convince anyone by debating with them, whether he does or doesn't. And I'm not about to try and do that with yourselves this morning. So let me ask you in this. Do you think people in this room are trustworthy? Everyone's like, "Mm, (laughs) maybe. (laughs) I hope so. They generally are, generally. Um, I want to ask a question. I want you to raise your hand if you've ever seen or heard an account of God healing in your lifetime that you believe does that make sense raise your hand if you've ever seen or heard okay I'm going to say that's at least 90% of this room okay let me ask a harder question then I want you to raise your hand if you have ever been supernaturally healed yourself or prayed for someone and seen them supernaturally healed so I'm talking about really personal now raise your hand okay so still a large chunk of this room have seen that and believe that 
I'm not going to be able to argue around anyone to whether God heals or not. But I think there's enough people in this room who have seen something for us to want to take a run at this together. The best argument I have is God's testimony. And without further ado, I'm going to invite up David to share this incredible testimony that has happened just these past weeks with his own daughter. So let's give him a round of applause as he comes up. Yeah, this, this is uh, an amazing, amazing testimony and just shows that uh, God does heal today. You know, sometimes um, we look at the Bible and we see all the healings in, in that book and we think, oh, well, that's for that time and it doesn't happen now. Well, I'm going to show you this morning of a real, real healing uh, that took place just recently in my daughter's life. <clears throat> but, you know, he did not only perform a, door, uh, a miracle in my daughter's life, but while he was doing that, he blessed my wife and I as this was going on because we struggled with this traumatic event, as you are going to imagine, as you will, you will find out. He gave us signs along the way that he was with us and we were not alone and he had it all under control. On the 6th of August this year, a Saturday, it will live long in our memory. My daughter Georgina rang me at about 10 o'clock in the morning complaining that she could hardly breathe and her skin was turning yellow. I could not always understand what she was saying because she sounded delirious. She lives in London and we live over here. But I could tell it was very serious and I rang for an ambulance. Now this is where the first miracle occurred. The ambulance service where my daughter lives is stretched and sometimes it takes up to nine hours for them to turn up. I know this because my daughter lives with a partner who suffers with epilepsy. When he has a very serious attack, he has to be admitted to hospital and my daughter has told me on several occasions it has taken nine hours for an ambulance to turn up. We have subsequently learned if the ambulance had taken any longer than a couple of hours, they would have been picking up a body and taking it to the morgue rather than the hospital. We also learned that her situation was so serious that when she arrived at hospital, they did not have time to take off her clothes, they just tore them off. As parents, that Saturday seemed such a long day. It wasn't until lunchtime that we found out which hospital she'd been taken to. And when I rung to find out how she was, um, I was told that she was being assessed by a medical team and they would contact me later in the day once they had more information. That call didn't come until 11 o'clock that night and the information they gave me was not what we wanted to hear. It was a senior nurse who phoned me and she told me this. Your daughter is extremely ill. She has acute pneumonia, so acute that most of her lungs are full of the gunge from the infection and there is not much room to draw oxygen. 
Her vital organs are closing down one by one. She has sepsis. We also believe that she might have heart problems because we cannot control her heartbeat. Oh, and lastly, we are worried about her brain because she has been taking in so little oxygen that we are worried not enough has been getting to the brain. Your daughter has been put into an induced coma and she is on a ventilator. Not the news we wanted to hear. Nurses are very diplomatic, but the inference was clear. We are doing our best, but expect the worst. She ended the conversation by saying, my advice to you is to get over here as quickly as you can. It was impossible to get over to London on the Sunday because every flight out of Jersey was booked solid. So it wasn't until the Monday that we arrived in London and after dropping off our luggage, we went straight to the hospital. I can tell you that when we first saw her, we both cried. I counted no less than 10 machines on my daughter keeping her alive. Just hold on a sec. Georgina is 43 years of age, but in that bed, she looks so small that she could easily be taken for a child. She remained in that induced coma for a week, hanging on to life by a thread, not knowing that we were there by her bedside. But each day we held her hand and prayed. We quickly became aware that God was on her case because when one day when we arrived, we found a nurse singing over her, I am a child of God. I took the nurse aside and told her that we too were Christians and would she pray for our daughter when she was on duty? She said that she would. And she also told us that there were other Christian nurses looking after Georgina, praying. The second week, they gradually reduced her sedation so that occasionally she would come round a little and smile as if she recognised us. By this time, they had confirmed that the fears of brain damage were unfounded. The suspected heart problem was due to the stress her body was in due to the infection and her heartbeat had returned to normal. They were also beginning to get the sepsis and the organ failure under control. This was all good news to us. Until later that same week, a senior doctor, a specialist in lung disease, came over to us and took us to the family room attached to the IC unit. It was obvious as we entered that this room was to give bad news to loved ones and we were not to be disappointed. The doctor told us how close she had come to dying and while she remains in ICU, she will continue to be at risk. She went on to tell us that the pneumonia was so severe that it is beginning to eat through the right-hand lung. And unless they can get it under control quickly, it is possible that they will have to cut away the infected part. She went on to say that if our daughter was to make any kind of recovery, that we were not to expect her to be as she was before. Whatever happens, she said, she has severely damaged lungs 
and lungs are one organ of the body that do not repair themselves. She said that she would need constant supervision for at least 12 months. One of us always must be in the house with her. She would not be able to climb stairs and arrangements should be made for her bedroom to be on the ground floor. She would struggle even to walk a short distance. And when we mentioned work, she said that the most she would ever be able to do was a sit-down job for a maximum of two hours a day. When we left the hospital that day, we went back to our room, prayed, and broke off all the negative things that had been said over our daughter by the doctor, and that she would make a full recovery and they would not have to cut away any part of her lungs. I can tell you that today she is out of hospital and back living with us in Jersey after just six weeks. And she hasn't had to have any part of her lung removed. It cleared up. The doctors and nurses have been absolutely amazed at her progress that she made in such a short time. She was in ICU for five weeks and in a general ward for just over a week. She was given a pair of crutches when she left hospital, but within a day, she had discarded one. She insisted when she came home that she wanted to sleep in her own bedroom, which is on the first floor. So that first night, I helped her, and she made it to the top of the stairs, albeit slowly. Since then, she has been up and down the stairs many times without any problem and without any help. We were told we would have to, she, would be, she would be exhausted if she went even for a very short walk. Well, she has been with us for just over a week and she has walked to our local supermarket there and back without, well, with little effort. Every day she is making progress. This is the girl that we were told by a specialist who deals in lung diseases, who medically knows what she is talking about, that she would be an invalid for the rest of her life. Those lungs of hers are healing because she wouldn't be able to do all the things she's doing that the doctor said would be impossible. And we are trusting and believing in God that those lungs will be completely healed. Only God could have caused this transformation because medically it is impossible. And I could go on with many examples how God revealed himself to Betty and I while we were in London. For instance, we, play, we stayed at a place called Manuka. When I booked the accommodation, I had no idea that it was owned and run by Christians. And I only found out this later. And I was interested to know what the name Manuka meant. And apparently, it's ancient Hebrew, and it means a place of rest. God has placed us in a place of rest. On another occasion, we went to a church where we were introduced to the vicar. His name was Alan Comfort, his initials, a comfort. Some people might believe that this was just coincidence, but I believe that it was a God-given sign to us that he was standing with us through this trial. 
There were many other signs that God gave us during our time in London virtually every day. And our confidence grew that everything was going to be all right, and it is proved to be right. I want to f uh, finish by thanking you all for standing with Betty and I in prayer, because you are part of this miracle. When we needed it most, and when we were at our lowest point, someone would send us a word or a Bible verse of encouragement. It meant so much to us and lifted our spirits. Many people prayed for Georgina, and we were happy for anyone who was prepared to pray. Since coming back, we have worked out that on every continent of this world, there were people praying for our daughter. We feel humbled and blessed by all your prayers, and I am convinced that it was the prayers of you all that saved our daughter and made such a difference. My daughter is a living testimony to a miracle-working God. Thank you all so very much. Thank you, David. Why don't we stand together, guys? Isn't God so good? What an amazing testimony. Ben, do you want to come on up? I just want to, uh, I suppose, encourage us along the lines of, of what I said earlier. As a church, who are we in this story as we come into this series? What is God wanting to do in us and through us, not just for us, but for our community? So I just want to encourage you to take a second and just respond with me today. Just close your eyes and allow God to, um, to draw close. Father, we thank you for this incredible testimony that we have heard of Georgina. God, we thank you that, God, you did it. The, the wonder-working God did it. You brought healing, God. You brought deliverance. Father, we thank you for Georgina, and we pray that this, this testimony would only increase, God, that she would do things, uh, just continue to do things that should be impossible because of your great love and your great power at work in there. And God, I just pray for each and every one of us today, you would stir our hearts this morning to, to know why we are here, to know what you have called us to in this series. And God, as, as we look at healing the wholeness, I pray that you would stir our hearts to see who we are in that journey. Lord, that each of us would go on this journey together, God, that we would all uh, be transformed as we respond to your word week after week after week. And I pray, Lord, for miracles, signs and wonders in this church. God, I pray that this testimony would be the first of many, God, as we see you. Uh, I see it like uh, those dominoes, they just fall one by one by one by one as, 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 they, as testimony increases, God, that we would see miracle after miracle after miracle. God, I thank you, you are, is your, your desire, your good pleasure to give us your kingdom. And so as children, we come before you today and say, yes, Lord. Why don't you say that to him? Yes, Lord. We receive your kingdom, Father. Come break out among us.